bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau in compliance with Memo EX 1063. On this evening's meeting, Ward 4 matters, improvements, innovative revenue tools, and more. This meeting is now in session. <laughs> Hello. Oh, hey, how are you? I'm okay. I'm great. Are I'm, you? Yes, I'm feeling great. Really? You sound suboptimal. It's, uh, well, you mean the intro. Yeah. Who well, was that? Oh, that that was me. See, what happened? Okay. I, was, I was rummaging in the, in the bins, you know, down by the boiler. Right. And I found this book uh, on how to envision yourself in the future for a more successful you. Okay. And it's basically, it says just... Take a look at yourself. Imagine yourself five years in the future. Right. And yeah. say, what do you want? And I realized I was a deathly ill old man only five years into the future. Right. I think it's from being in this basement all the time. Yeah. Yes. Um, that sounds like a terrible book. Uh, you probably shouldn't be reading stuff like that. It's a fantastic book. The title is How to Envision Yourself in the Future for a More Successful You. Hmm. Yes. I don't know if it's working. Uh, you know, pro I'm, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I felt very fulfilled, but very ill. Yeah. 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 Got any more on that? Uh, not Back right. Backflap? <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing Nothing to say. Uh, well, it does, there is a, like a two-step process, which we'll, we can get into that later. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, anyway. All right, but we need to have attendance because uh, yes. we, don't, we don't have a lot of time for this meeting. Right. Okay. Uh, attendance. Our first guest is uh, for the evening is, uh, it says, Unclaimed Health Pile. Nobody's nobody's claiming that name. Health, well, health as you know, is like a, it's like a handle for a tool or a weapon. Oh, really? It's also a verb, apparently, to health. Yeah, to health? Yeah, to health. That means you, you actually furnish like something with a health. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you health an axe with a health. Okay. Um... It's really odd. I don't think the health pile is actually going to be here, though. It doesn't no. make any sense. Yeah. You know what? I think I actually mixed up the letters. Oh, in no. The name. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll just... Oh, uh, Paul Mivel Deschen. That's actually me. That's you. Yeah, and you wow. found my secret middle last yeah, name. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Okay, Paul Mivel Deschen. Okay, and uh, so you're here. Thought, mm -hmm. I thought I recognized I'm him. present. Yeah. I'm present. Uh, second attendee this evening is Aaron Mandig. Yeah, again, nobody's nobody's saying here to that, so... Oh, okay. Aaron, must Aaron, be late. Aaron Mandig is... Uh, he's the author of the acclaimed self-help book, How to Envision Yourself in the Future for a More Successful <gasps> Oh, you. excellent. Yes. Oh, I can see why you, like, got him on. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, I thought... It's worked so well for me so far. Yeah. So why not bring him on? Right. Um, but it's a little embarrassing uh, because when I looked closer at the book, I realized it was some notes I wrote down a few years ago. Oh. Uh, it wasn't really a book. Uh, and I'm thinking I mixed up the letters in Aaron Mandig's name. Yeah. Um, so if you take the A, this is Aiden Morgan. That's you. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So these uh, were more like just mad scribblings. Y yes. Yeah. Than an actual prescription on how to live your life. Yeah, it just says, don't okay. envision yourself with your eyeballs, but with your mind balls. 
<laughs> I like that. And then it says make a sculpture out of whatever that vision is, whether it's paper mache, wooden planks, or a pile of elves. Nice. nice. All right. Excellent. Uh, anyway, our third attendee tonight is uh, is a counselor named... Well, I have her name down as Isobaric Liner, but I have a feeling I've mixed up the letters. Yeah, I think you might have. Um, Silicon Briar... No, that's... How, uh, how about Councillor Lori Brishani? That's right. I am oh, here. Hey. Excellent. Okay. I knew, I knew I would get that right. <laughs> and you did. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for coming down to join us. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, we, we, we wanted you to come in today. Uh, well, for a couple of reasons. First of all, you're like a new counselor still. I am. I yeah. Yes, I am still new. Fresh, yes. fresh, and <laughs> <Yes>. uncorrupted by <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the weight of of your position. Is, yeah. Um, so, how's it going? How are you? How are you liking being a, a, a Queen City Councillor? Uh, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I yes, there's some uh, challenging times and lots of uh, big decisions to be made. But uh, you know what? I, I think I, I like where I am because we have to make decisions, and I always believe that um, you know to be part of that change, you need to get involved. Yeah. And that's why I decided to run. Uh, it's easy to sit back and complain, but you know what? It's better to get in there and try and make a difference. So that's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, and boy, do we know about how easy it is to complain. <laughs> it's it's kind of what we do. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and how are um, how are the people of Ward Four? Like, are they uh, have they been have they been digging? Have they been like uh, been getting a lot of calls about potholes and uh, and and various crises of the municipal sort? Uh, you know what, uh, my Ward Four, honestly, they are amazing, and I have to say they've been very very kind, very respectful. Um, I know when I was first elected, I was afraid almost to you know answer the phone because I didn't know exactly what the intent and if people get really angry and they're yelling and the, but you know people would really when they would call they'd say you know um, I'm not going to get you know I'm not mad I just want an, an answer and you know the more I've been in this position it is about communication that is exactly it so when people call they just they don't have all the answers they don't have they're not privy they listen to the media and that's it so that's what stirs a lot of these questions right so. So they call their counselor and they just say, you know what, Give, please let me know what what is this all about, how it's going. And if they do, I mean, I've had some emails that, you know, and I will phone them and I'll call them back and I want them to know the re the real stuff. Like, it, this is what you've heard in the media. This is exactly, you know, where it's at. So I think communication is key and that's why mm -hmm. I hold community meetings and, and it's great. Yeah. As, as opposed to like the fake news. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you guys are down in uh, sort of the southeast of the city. That's right, yeah. Right. Arcola Avenue all the way out. <laughs> and uh, the other reason I wanted to get you in today is there was a council meeting on Monday, on January 26th. Yes. And you and Councillor Stevens brought forward a motion that for many in the city has been something that's been uh, long sought after. Mm -hmm. Is a, You call it the safe and accessible, accessible sidewalks motion. That's right. And basically it's calling for a shoveling bylaw, which that's been... That, that's been attempted at council before, but it's never been successful. So maybe could you like run us through what is what is it you guys are hoping to this? What are you hoping to change? Like what's the bylaw going to be if this passes? Okay, well, if it passes, first of all, this is not to fine people. I want to make that very, very clear. Um, this is an opportunity for um, for for uh, for people um, who are 
um, seniors who are uh, people with disability to be able to live their life. And that means have a sidewalk that they can walk on to get to work. Um, to For our seniors, if they need to get out and go to the grocery store, go for their walk, they need to be able to live an active life just like everyone else and so when this this uh, motion we we brought the motion forward I think the I, the whole thing and I want to make this very very clear that the media has focused on there is a fine that is the last resort if any the whole intent here is that our bylaw officers if there is someone who and it's all complaint based so what would happen is if someone is, um, you know, saying I can't get through, say I've, there's a blind lady that needs to uh, get to the bus and she can't. So she'll call into city and say, I, can someone ask them to shovel? Right now there's no bylaw in place. We cannot do anything. And we've had numerous calls like that. So this is another reason so it's come forward. But if, the, if bylaw goes to the home and they say, okay, I've had a complaint, then what would happen is they would say, okay, you know what, they would look at the situation, they'd say, well, you have, you know, 48 hours to clean your streets. And if they go there and they see that this person is elderly, or if they're physically disabled, cannot do that, or say there's a, even a health con- condition and they say that, you know, at that time then there would be for sh- an, an exemption, you know, that we're not out to try and find people if they can't do it, especially our most vulnerable. Now I'll tell you, I have a daughter that's blind. I would never ever put in anything that would put any pressure or financial burden onto our seniors, people with disability, any with anyone with health health issues. We use the model that Saskatoon is now using. This has been done is being done in Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Toronto, you go on, there's a whole list. Saskatoon, our nearest city here, they are doing this, but they've been doing this since 2015. So they in 17, 2017, they had 400 complaints. And in those 400 complaints, they had 30 um, times when they had to go out and shovel the snow in front of people's houses, and that goes on their, their taxes. That's 30. Not one fine was given. So there was not a repeat. So I think the message for, the, for, for me that I want to spread is that this is not for the, the homeowners that are shoveling. And in 48 hours, bylaws are going to be driving around and trying to find someone who's not shoveling the streets. That is not how this works. This is for the people who are not shoveling. You can see the snow packed up and you can't walk through it. That's the difference. So uh, I think at the end of the day, I think we want to also encourage that, you know, we come together as a city. We've got um, the Snowbusters program. We've got, I would love to bring in the, the uh, um, I think it is the Snow Angels that has done in many other cities. And, you know, we pro- promote that with churches. We promote that with schools. We go, to, go out into the community and get these these. Um, you know the community working together for this purpose that i grew up on a rural community that's what you do you pitch in and you work together so that that and i think at the end of the day we want to have an accessible city a walkable um so people can be active one of the biggest things we've heard from the health is that if people are shut-ins there is depression there's many other health issues that follow that cost a lot more so at the end of the day by working together i think uh we help to ensure safe conditions and it becomes mobility for everyone yeah yeah well i've i've grown up uh i grew up in nova scotia Mm -hmm. and i've lived in various cities and i've always been amazed at the state of sidewalks in Mm -hmm. regina during the winter uh it just i've never seen worse like or like less attention paid 
backed by by homeowners to sidewalks. So I think this kind of idea is like a f- really really much needed yeah. and overdue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the 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 be it resolves from your motion are just quickly there's um, owners of residential properties will be required to clear their sidewalks within 48 hours of a snowfall. This is the same rule that's in place currently for commercial and for uh, multi units. So. Um, uh, commercial, I think, is it 24 hours? I think it's 24, 24 to 48. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, bylaw enforcement has the authority to pay a visit to the site upon reinspection not cleared, have a contractor complete the work, and charge the cost of that to the owner's property taxes. Um, repeat non-compliance uh, could result in a fine, which, as you mentioned, people have been sort of like glomming onto that. Mm-hmm. And then accessibility challenges faced by residents due to snow and ice on sidewalks will be considered in all mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, okay, so you, you've got a system where you would have, you know, within 48 hours, it's a complaint-driven system, so if complaints are coming in on a, on a certain lot, the city would send somebody out to clear it off. And there were, you'd send, well, perhaps, right, if, if bylaw comes out, there, this is one of the results, is that there would be a contractor who would come out and clear the walk if, the, if it's not being cleared and there are multiple complaints. Um, this, the city typically does these things on a cost recovery basis, and I imagine that they would be seeking contractors who were reasonably priced. So let's say a homeowner uh, named Paul um, <laughs> really doesn't like shoveling his walk and he started calling in about a homeowner named Paul who's not shoveling his walk is this a really reasonably priced way for say this this hypothetical Paul <laughs> to get his sidewalk shoveled it, for him it seems pretty elaborate this, this, this scenario and oddly specific well I don't really see that happening uh, I hope it doesn't happen but uh, but again uh, you know are you, are you suggesting that Paul maybe should not go ahead with this? exactly okay. not a good idea Paul okay I'll let him know exactly whoever he is but oh. one of the points I want to make is I also see this uh, motion and this bylaw becoming more also of um, uh, a builder of communication. I want to, there's people out there that don't even realize why it's important. If they understand that there are people that, you know, want to use the sidewalks for, you know, to be active, but also if it's for health reasons or if it's for um, accessible because someone in a wheelchair net needs to go somewhere, I think people will have more of a compassion to do it. And I think that's what Saskatoon has found. In speaking with them, they said once bylaw goes out and it asks, there has been, oh, yes, absolutely no problem. They've returned around and they've done it. The ones that haven't, of course, are those 30 out of the two, you know, from 2017 that, you know, of course, and they had to bring someone out. But again, I think the whole purpose is it's not focusing on the ones that aren't shoveling every 20, 48 hours. It's the ones that aren't shoveling at all and have no um, interest in doing that. Yeah. yeah. And um, in Saskatoon, they do things where they get um, homeowner, homeowners who are having who have difficulty for whatever reason, mobility issues yes. or whatever, uh, or they're elderly. Uh, they get them in touch with like volunteer organizations mm-hmm. um, who can, can who can do this for them. And I think that a lot for a lot of people, because there's no yeah. um, 
there's no resource to get this information. This is a way for people, to, the city, to put that into people's hands. And I think that's another piece of the public engagement. That's where I like to see this as a proactive with our um, bylaw, rather than people getting so upset with bylaw. Mm-hmm. Bylaw goes out and they're tr- it's trying to do something for the betterment. So they're going to go out, they're going to make suggestions, spe- especially if they know that these people are at risk and they can't do this. So here's some suggestions and, and go from there. If they know for sure that this is going to be someone who can't do it, they're in a wheelchair, they're, they say, I just had back surgery or whatever it is, you know, at that time, then they're, I, I'm going to recommend there be somewhat of an exemption for those people because we can't expect someone to go out there and do it if they, for sure, health, um, um, you know, again, disability, um, whatever the reason for, for that, because, again, that is not what this is about. This is about working together as a community to do it. Yeah, and in your motion, it mentions that uh, statistics from the Can- uh, Canadian Institute for Health Information uh, that the hospitalizations from slips and falls in Regina is the highest rate in Canada. In the highest in Canada. That's yeah. crazy. So if you you know just there, so you know, I had a physician call and say, you know, he was happy to see this go because of the fact that do you know how many come into the hospital? Do you know what that is costing us? Yeah. So again, we don't see it up front, but it's working together to try and prevent this. It's it's more of a proactive than a reactive. Okay, so we are the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, and uh, we're here with Councillor Lori Bershani, and we're talking about safe sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Now, over the last few days since the council meeting, some people have tweeted at the Queen City Improvement Bureau their reactions to this uh it it was like the most commented upon that and the autonomous vehicles motion these were the two most commented upon motions that uh took place at the council meeting so uh you've actually i think you've already answered uh blondie at pk blondie three's uh concerns about Uh what about the people with health issues who can't clear their sidewalks um but jane two mcmahon uh says i love it regarding the uh, bylaw or the the motion now, if the city of Regina would just clean its own sidewalks at the sportsplex, and if businesses and parking lot owners did theirs, one could walk in winter. In winter, um, and uh, Ump Teenager at Beside Champion says something similar. Uh, the sidewalks by parks and even schools are absolutely consistently among the worst in uh, Regina. Um, why not clear them all? It really bugs me that the city clears streets but not sidewalks. Just one more way to favor drivers over pedestrians. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you been hearing these concerns about city sidewalks not being cleared or business sidewalks, that that part of the the, the existing bylaw hasn't been enforced? Absolutely, yes. Um, I've heard from many residents that they want the sidewalks um, that the city is supposed to be looking after. They want that done better. I've heard about the snow ridge from the blades that goes up. I mean, again, the best thing about this coming up with this motion is that it's got the city talking and so we've learned some things we've heard some things and that's our job as a counselor what else have we heard that's come out of this we have to do a better job in our snow removal if we're expecting our residents to shovel we as a city need to be 
responsible to do the same thing, and that's looking after sidewalks. That's and and listening to the concerns of the snow ridge, of uh, of getting the scrapers down the roads. I mean, these are things that now. I mean, even today, I took a drive around, and I was down in in the cathedral area looking there, and I said, you know, when cars are parked on both sides of the street, and there's ruts in the middle, you can see why sometimes you can't probably get a grader down there. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the things that I think we need to look at as a city. Is there something maybe we need to look at different equipment? You know, it's changed. Our, our, our winters are shorter and we have less snow. So again, I mean, mm -hmm. one of the things that a Councillor Stevens and I know a few other councillors have talked about, we also want to have our pathways cleaned in our parks. We keep promoting that we are an active city and we want vibrancy, but we also need to ensure that that parks are cleared for our young families to be able to go out and walk. Winters are long. I want we want people to get out there and be active, especially when it's maybe cold but the sun is out, to be able to go out and, and enjoy a walk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh mentioned earlier that this has come up before a council. It was probably like three or four councils ago. It was a long, like it was, you know, about the eight years ago range. Um, and it was, it was an effort by the uh, Postal Union and a group of, um, a group of seniors on the uh, south side who were uh, these, these women who had this like walking group. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were concerned about the sidewalks. And it was actually the council of the day that put this motion down and there were a lot of arguments from councillors about um you know the, the cost to the city being a problem and that uh, we can't we can't put this responsibility on homeowners uh, when we're taxing them already um what's your what's your sense now i know that you and councillor stevens obviously are behind this motion um do you think that there's widespread support at council do you think it's got a better chance of getting through this time uh, have you spoken with everybody else or uh you know what um yeah, you know that's a that's a difficult question i think that uh, any councillor kind of waits until if there's delegations that come to speak and they will wait to um you know, make their decision at council. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I really can't respond for the other councillors at all. I know that um, we all get emails from people, and if there's a dominant group that send emails to all councillors, sometimes that's how, you know, the decisions are made. But I, I always just ask that sometimes these are the hard decisions that have to be made that are not easy. They're not easy. Um, again, in, in what I see in, in Ward 4 is different than I see in Ward 3. But I was elected as a councillor for, yes, Ward 4, but also for the whole city. And so I think we need to work together when we see a lot of the similarities where seniors, a lot of seniors live downtown. They want to be able to walk to get their groceries, to go for coffee, to do these things. So, I, I, you know, again, I, I can't really respond on how it's going to go. Um, and, again, all we can do is, is uh, you know, send the message out there and why we're doing it and why it's important. This was a notice of motion. Yes. So the motion itself will actually be debated at the February 26th meeting. That's right. Um, do you know if... Uh, well, there there will likely be people who come out for possibly against this motion. Um, when people come out and do delegations like that, is this a convincing thing? Like, would this would this help the motion if people were to come out to the twenty sixth meeting, the February twenty sixth meeting? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if people are in for, you know, want to come and they want to voice their opinion, they would have to uh, send um, 
uh, an email and write their script of whatever they want to say if they want to come and speak the Thursday before the meeting. And the city clerk can help them with that. And, yes, yeah, so if they want to put their, their voice forward, um, they can do that. But also prior to that, they can send an email to their counselors and send an email and saying, this is how I feel as well if you can't get there that night. Um, because I think at the end of the day, we need to ensure that we're hearing the voice of the people, and that's how it's done. Nice. Okay, we've only got a couple more minutes, okay. sadly. Um, but before before we move on, I wanted to just say uh, budget drop today. Yes. So we've got a proposed mill rate increase of 4.86%, and that includes the 1% for re- residential road renewal program and the 0.45% for stadium. So uh, just quickly. Yes. Preliminary thoughts, uh, 4.86%. Too low, too high, just Mm -hmm. about right. What do you think? Well, I've already heard from my residents it's too high. They always say that, though. (laughs) They do. I could have have told you that's what you would have heard. That's right. But do remember, we do pay some of the highest taxes in Regina. So, you know, I've had calls already today and saying, you know, that, and the concern is, is that we have a mill rate increase, but the services seem to be getting worse. Right, so our parks seem to be getting worse to compare it was, you know, years ago. So people are saying I'm paying more and getting less. That can't be. I've heard from seniors. Seniors say, you know, I can't afford an increase. I, I won't be able. I'll have to move. I, you know, I don't know. So I'm always cognizant and very careful that we have to ensure that we've got, we are finding that we're being efficient. That's, I think that's number one, that we have to find as many efficiencies as we can, especially in these times when, you know, the economy is still struggling. It's not, it's not a, a booming economy. But, you know, I'd like to see more efficiencies that can be made uh, without affecting services. I think that's the end of the day. And, uh, and, and then I also want to discuss with my residents as to what other options, what they see. It's come out today. I'm having a, a meeting on February 20th with my, uh, and anyone's, you know, more than welcome. Welcome to come out at Living Hope at 7 o'clock. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much for coming in. Yes. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, hey, no worries. Uh, so what do you think? Does she warrant... Um, um, like improvement vector stats? I think so, yeah. I, for- I forgot to do the grading thing. Okay, so what should we do? Uh, let's, we'll, we'll pass her. Okay. okay, okay. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you, are, you are officially an improvement vector, and you okay. have a, a certificate suitable for framing <laughs> thank you for that and we, we did our research love on that sp- one so. <laughs> great i love the spelling it looks wonderful thank, thank you thank you we work hard <laughs> that's right that's why they pay us the yes big, the big bucks well then they don't pay us the big bucks actually <laughs> they don't pay us the any bucks, <laughs> the any bucks yeah. it's okay i feel like i get no bucks either so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're going to move on to the next item on our agenda which is innovative revenue tools okay and those are tools that the city can innovate to help it generate more revenue because it's budget time nobody wants to pay higher taxes so we we've got some ideas on how to um generate revenue or do we yes we, it's, it's weird that you're talking to me because i know all this already oh yeah yeah it's like like you'd think that i regularly forget well i tell you every innovative. week yeah so i'm not well, surprised you know it's I, understand. I, I was it was it was for the benefit of the council <laughs> oh okay yeah. well in this case, uh, with this innovative revenue tool, it's actually tied into the the motion for the the uh, safe and accessible sidewalks uh, okay. bylaw. Uh, pursuant to clause two B, uh, if upon a reinspection of the sidewalk, it's not clear the city has a contractor come out and you know it's added onto the the taxes. Well, I realize and I'm aware that the intent 
is not to find people or to charge them for these things, you know, and make it undue hardship, but it's a pretty sweet source of revenue, and yeah. we all know it. So what we do is we can rent or buy one of those, like, snow-blowing machines, maybe, maybe like, Blackstrap probably has one. Sure. You know, they're not using it. Uh, yeah. So we get one of those, bring it down, we call in a complaint. Okay. The homeowner comes out, shovels their sidewalk diligently. We roll up around 3 a.m., spray a bunch of fake snow, and then you see... You, you see, Then we shovel it off. Exactly. And charge them for it. Bingo. Yeah. And it, once once that, we do that, I don't know, five times, then we can start finding them. Right. Big time. Yeah. I mean, and really, like fake snow, I mean, you can you can spray that stuff well into like late yeah. late spring, sure. early fall. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And with a city of 200,000 residents... You know, yeah. we could hit every one of them <laughs> with this. I mean, we might have to invest in, like, another snow machine at some point. Sure. And we're going to have to find some way not to make them look like yeah. snow machines. Once we write up the report and it shows that it's that it's paying for itself, they'll they'll, they'll go out and get us, like, five of these machines. I know. We'll disguise them as Dickie D, like those oh, good really? machines. So the bells come along and they're like, ice cream. And we're like, shh, go back inside. <laughs> All right, I love this idea. It's not bad. I'm a fan of this idea, and uh, I think I think we should uh, I think we should go forward with it. But if that doesn't work, we've got a few more ideas here. Excellent. Hi, I'm local blogger Kenton DeYoung. Did you know on Albert Street, across the lake from the legislature building, sits a speaker's corner, a small brick platform surrounded by gas lamps and birch trees. These lamps originate from London, and the trees are from Runnymead Meadow, a location where King John signed the Magna Carta in 1215. It's a Regina fact. You'll find more Regina facts on my blog, KentonYoung.com, and every week on the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. All right. That was it for innovative revenue tools. Excellent. Those were some good tools. Yeah, and a Regina fact from Mr. Kenton DeYoung. Well, I, have a, I have a Kenton DeYoung fact to go with his City of Regina fact. Do you know? Well, you may be aware that every Canada Day, they have a fireworks display. Yes. Well, for the last five years, they have not spent a dime on fireworks. What? It is simply Kenton DeYoung's mind. Wow. Thinking of things to do for the new year. Wow. It's visualized. It's fun. Yeah. That's amazing. It is pretty amazing. Cool. That Kenton, he's so multifaceted. Yeah. We, we, should, we should put them all together, all these facts. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Make a book. Ooh. You should make a book. A coffee table book. Yeah. A Kenton table book. All right. Now, where are we on this agenda? Um, We're on page two. Page two. Okay. Uh, we have another guest. Uh, Councillor Bershani has been replaced by some guy. A good-looking guy, that. Hey, yes. <laughs> Finally. That is true. Finally a good-looking guy. Yeah, down here. I'm waiting for good-looking people to show up. Yeah. So uh, I've got it down here that you're uh, Frank Corvamaker? Correct. Okay. Um, so are you here to speak about uh, making Corvas? No, we don't make baskets anymore. You don't? No. No, is that what Corva means? Our, is well, our it's a ba- basket maker. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, I, I was I was actually going to harp on this for at least ten minutes, but you answered it immediately. So, so. you know, like we're a bunch <laughs> of basket cases, you might say. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, in case you were thinking that. <laughs> you read. The you will at the, the end, you will at the end of the uh, show. But, yeah. <clears throat> 
All right. Um, actually, no, you are here uh, to talk about an event that's coming up next week. It's Archives Week. Whoa, yes. Indeed. Yeah, we're pretty excited about this. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We, um, we, we, sh- we have a little pageant that we put on every year down mm-hmm. here in our office uh, for Archives Week. Um, a, a little parade. It's just me and, just me and Aiden involved. Is that, is that where we burn all our archives? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask yeah, yeah. about that yeah. aspect of your operation. Yeah, yeah. we... Uh, you know, it's all it all gets really kind of sodden and mildewy really quickly. Yeah. It's mostly dot matrix printer okay. paper. Yeah. So so we just and we have to keep warm. Well, people have been burning archival records for centuries, decades. Uh, yeah. Long it's time. a tradition that we're it carrying is, on. Yeah. So starting yeah. with the Library of Alexandria and That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All the way to the Queen City Improvement Bureau. So why not? Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So um but the the event that you're that you're gonna be involved with next week, does it does it involve burning archives? Yeah, it's not supposed to. No. Oh, good. It's at, it's at Bushwhackers, so what really oh. what it involves is food. Oh. And then while we're eating and dining and such like that, then we're going to talk a bit about archival records. Right. And, uh, you know, eating and drinking, that is like, that's a euphemism for archiving food. That's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a nice way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a great, a great little venue. Yeah. Uh, other than the posts, the big posts, but it's also an historic building, so you, you have to hold that up some way. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. Um, what is the event itself? Uh, I've got it down here as the Regina that never was. Yeah, it's, uh, we're going to be talking about buildings that were designed uh, and not built for one reason or another. Oh, I like this. Something like, for instance, the uh, at the Diocese of Capel at uh, College and Broad, they were going to put a great big cathedral in there, uh, right in the middle of it. Really? And uh, yeah, it was going to because that was going to be the central location for the uh, the diocese, and so it would replace uh, St. Paul's Anglican Cathedral because that was just a temporary cathedral, it had been a long temporary cathedral, yeah. but that's okay. Uh, but it's, so they were going to build a huge uh, complex that would make the current built you know, like that original St. Chad's look quite small by comparison. Anyway, they sort of ran out of money. <laughs> this this happens yeah. sometimes, yeah. you know. The best plans often, you know, no money, no plan. So mm-hmm. anyway, so they uh, they were going to build the the cathedral there. That didn't happen. So then the uh, provincial government of eight nineteen eighty one, which was uh, Alan Blakeney's government, decided they were going to build a new provincial archives right oh. there where the cathedral was going to go. And then Grant Devine sort of came along and said. No, I'm not building an NDP archives. <laughs> <laughs> or, or words to that effect. But uh, So we had the plans, the drawings. Uh, Ikoi had come up with some nice plans. It's going to look a little bit like a pyramid, but a little bit flattened. Hmm. With the central core would have all of the archival so, material. and so Like a ziggurat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so it, it, it got squashed. <laughs> and it sat there for another eh, quarter of a century, and then now it's been developed uh, for housing. Right. Hmm. So these are, you know, plans, the cathedral, the provincial archives. These are the kinds of buildings we're going to be showing at this show. And uh, some other buildings, the War Museum. We, the, a War Museum? A War Museum, yeah. What we was going this? To, this was going to be located next to the Ledge Building. Oh. Huh. This was right after World War One, And, you know, everybody was all keen and excited about, you know, hallelujah, it's finally over. But now let's do something to commemorate. We got all these guns and cannons that we brought back as war spoils and have to put them somewhere. And besides that, we should recognize all those, you know, the poor soldiers who got killed or maimed and so forth. So they're going to put together a very nice building, complementary architecture to the legislative building. 
Uh, and it was also going to house the Museum of Natural History. There was going to be a whole bunch of stuff in this big building. Uh, had a competition, selected an architect from Montreal to design it, came up with pretty plans, a nice model, and then... That's 1919, 1920, yeah, you know, he ran out of money. Jeez. <laughs> I wonder if we heard that story before. Yeah, this, this yeah. recurring pattern. Um, so uh, so it didn't happen. And, and the whole memorial to the uh, soldiers, of course, also didn't happen. And as you may recall, not that long ago, within the last decade to 15 years, we finally have the memorial to the soldiers by having all those plaques next to the legislative building. But the actual war museum just never happened. So we're going to be showing and talking about that. Uh, in fact, uh, Dr. Bill Brennan's going to be talking about the uh, the war museum. Okay. And who's he? He's a, a history professor at the University of Regina, or was. He's now a professor emeritus. Uh, he's put in his time, and he is now retired and continues to enjoy his history. And he does. He's worked with Heritage Regina for years. Uh, was president of that uh, group, and uh, so he's going to be speaking all about the, the war museum. Cool. Right. Um, and uh, who else? There's, there's a bunch of people who are going to be talking at this. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be talking. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the I MC. Hear, you're the uh, MC, yeah. I'm the MC, so yeah, you, you can't shut me up. I'm going to be talking every <laughs> every little uh, every couple of minutes. So, yeah. so uh, you know, I'm supposed to keep it running, sort of like as you were for your show. And um, we've got uh, um, James Yoke. Uh, he's uh, an architect here. P3, P3. Architects. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be talking about um, the College Avenue campus, uh, all the way from uh, Albert Street, uh, Broad Street, and about right. some of those buildings and about his own involvement with the redevelopment. Right. Uh, and uh, there was a time when it was considered, like, before they built the new campus, that there was there was plans afoot to turn that College Avenue campus into the into an expanded right right you know full University of Regina that would be where it, that's where it would always be located it would but the, you know the the, you know, the land just wasn't big enough uh, to yeah. accommodate all that in fact the current campus is too small it's hedged in with you know the you got water you got a highway you got two highways i mean it's just it, it's too bad it's uh, you know and taste like that because mm-hmm. it, it has limited space to go other than yeah. up well maybe it's going to have to go up at some point or down Subterranean University. Some of us like light, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's but yeah, like in here, you guys really have you know, a lot of light in here, both uh, glowing <laughs> bulbs, you know, fungus glowing on the walls. That's, that's, this is true. Yeah, that, that would work. Yeah. 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 We 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 think light's overrated, actually. Yeah. Well, you do. I. Right? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Architects like light. They like to design buildings <laughs> so they can be yeah. seen, you know, and then they plant trees all around them. And, you know, then you can't photograph them, which, of course, I'm in the business of documenting historic buildings. So <gasps> all these darn trees and bushes that come in the way, you know. Right. Uh, no, that's, anyway. <laughs> but that's another story, you know. Well, what is your background? I uh, started off as an archaeologist for Parks Canada down in eastern Canada. Then I moved to Alberta in the 70s, worked uh, there for their historic site service, and then came out here in the late 70s, and I worked here as, uh, hist- in, with historic sites for 25 years, and then over to the Provincial Archives, where I ended off my career after 46 years of working for Her Majesty. Right. So okay, when, when you say sorry, when you say Eastern Canada, do you mean like Ontario, Quebec, Eastern, or Maritimes? Oh, Mar- Maritimes. Yeah, oh, uh, mainly Maritimes. I did some work in Quebec as well. Oh. Uh, yeah. 
Right. It was it was a great career uh, for a single guy. Then I got married, <laughs> and it wasn't such a great career anymore. Because for some reason or other, my wife and I wanted to be together. And, right. You know, right. I, you know, and when you take off and go and excavate here, there, and everywhere, uh, you're sort of on your own. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so it, so it changed careers. <laughs> these, these were the days before Skype. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Which I mean that I mean Skype didn't come into existence until what seventy five nineteen seventy five seventy six somewhere in there yeah, yeah. We, we used to uh, what was it we called it writing letters I think it was uh, yeah that's it you know like paper stuff yeah, yeah we don't we and, don't we don't hold with that anymore yeah we see like as an archivist I, I I it was time I retired like I retired four years ago because I can't get excited about a memory stick. <laughs> I really can't. You show me a piece of paper, like you're going. We're going to be showing photographs of historic records at this uh, archives week show next week, and there'll be you know photographs and drawings and artwork and things like that. And those are, in my opinion, are, are the the guts of real archives. Uh, knowledge is part of real archives, and of course, the memory stick has the knowledge. But you can't. Uh, I just can't hold a memory stick and get excited about it. Right. It's a great tool. I love the computer. And yep. As a tool, the memory stick is a wonderful item. But when something's created on a in a computer in a computerized fashion, it uh, I'm, I'm from the old school, and that's why you know I retired, and they, they probably said it was high time. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is putting on this event? The uh, Saskatchewan Council for uh, Archivists and Archives, or Archives and Archivists. It's, it's a long title. Right. But uh, as well as a number of sponsors, uh, you know, there's the, the University of Regina Archives, the City of Regina Archives, Provincial Archives of Saskatchewan, uh, the uh, National Council for Archives. And so we've got a whole group of sponsors who are helping, you know, uh, do this as well as uh, Sask culture. They're everywhere where you know culture is they are they are too yeah so we have a lot of uh, people involved right um what do you think uh, do you, uh, there was a actually at the council meeting on monday there was a motion passed to uh they're carrying on their they're digitizing all of the mm -hmm. city's archives right now and uh, presumably to make them an, an insane number of documents an insane number like i think it's like forty-five thousand photographs or something like that like huge numbers of historical documents about the city of regina um for i think for some people it would just be this notion that you know a lot of this stuff is going to be uh, i don't know um, deeds to property and um, council notes, council minutes, stuff like that. Um, for a lot of people, this is just rubbish, right? This is this is stuff that needs to be burned once a year in a, in a little ritually. in a, yeah. in a, well, in a little pagan ritual in a basement. Um, what do you, what do you see as the value to keeping all of this stuff and making it available to the public? Well, part of the value is uh, you know you. You, it's the old saying, if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. And and that's what the records do. They tell you where you've been. And I think, you know, I hate to bring up current stuff, but uh, there's, there's a bit of a witch hunt going on right now in, in our society. You know, if you say boo to somebody, you suddenly you get pilloried. And it's McCarthyism all over again. And if you've never heard of McCarthy in the 50s, and if there are no records about McCarthy, what happened? And you figure, well, you know, so what's wrong with what we're doing? So we blast somebody in the news and loses his job. So what? Well, you know, that, that's been done before and before and before. And because we have records, we know what happens and how that affects a society. Right. And uh, But there's also a social side. Like, uh, I've been involved with writing some books. Um, 
And uh, I couldn't have written those books if people hadn't collected, uh, because I write about historical things, if people hadn't collected the historical information and the historical photographs, then I couldn't write a book about the history of stone buildings in Saskatchewan or churches. And, and mm -hmm. people who enjoy reading historical works and looking at coffee table books would never get to see those because there's no data to put in those books. We don't have it all up in our heads. And an archives uh, provides a place where this can be stored. Yeah, and the thing, you know what, what I rather fear at these, this day and age and this sort of Trumpian disregard for the past. Uh, I mean, there are archives and they, you can say, oh, there's an archive. And then your, your, your Trump figure can say, well, so what? And just carry on. <laughs> yeah. now, that, that is my real fear, that we will have the past accessible, but nobody will care. Well, so I'm, I'm taking this in yeah, different directions. Yeah, no, but that's okay. But hopefully, <laughs> you know, he too shall pass. Yes. <laughs> uh, if nothing exactly. else, in two terms, he's yeah. out. And hopefully people who have a greater respect for the past and for the history and for what's going on will take over the administration of his country and our countries as well and our, our cities. And where people are uh, discarding or ignoring the records, they can also turn around and... Be, and uh, look at them again and use them and, and appreciate them. But the question is uh, is going to be one uh, that's been raised is, are all the archives fake? It's a horrible oh, word, but it's been thrown out so often yep. that people will, I think, in the new generation are going to question everything they see and they just won't know, is it real? I'm beginning to fall prey to that myself. I see information in uh, on, on websites and I just have to say... Is that really true? I mean, I get stuff sent to me on so much regular basis, even videos. They could have been staged. They, they, they yeah. reportedly are, are ac actual. But what people can do wonderful things. You go watch movies now and say, oh, wow, yeah. you know that's all fake because it's, <laughs> it's all stunt people and the like. Well, who's to say that the history, you know, that we're being taught is not going to be state in future? And so mm -hmm. that is a big concern. How, how can we distinguish between real facts and, and artificial ones? I guess that's why you prefer having the photograph in your hand as opposed to a memo. Absolutely. And even though we're digitizing records, and I, I have nothing wrong, I see nothing wrong with digitizing records for use purposes, uh, but we shouldn't be destroying the original record afterwards. Don't just say, well, we've got to digitize and chuck it. Because for one thing, we find that the di digitized records can be corrupted as well as paper records and everything else. And things like microfilm, which were the savior of everything uh, 50 years ago, we're now finding it's deteriorating and you can hardly read some of this material. And we wish they had not thrown away the original records because all we've got now is the microfilm. And uh, the same will happen. So if we can take the original records and preserve them in, like in cold storage, m almost literally in some cases, in a dark area where the climate is controlled, and just store them off-site. You don't have to put them in a fancy, expensive, you know, a modern building, but you can put them in a secure storage. And then use the digitized records for day-to-day -day use. You can stick them on the Internet. Everybody can get access to them and so forth. Uh, that, to me, is a good compromise. Yeah, it would be good for mm -hmm. searching, too, right? Uh, oh, Oh, well, yeah. for searching, you know, the way it used to be, you know, page by page, you go through it. And it was a tedious process, <laughs> very tedious. Um, and it wasn't, uh, in, many things were not indexed. So now with, you know, having uh, digital records that can be indexed uh, you know, electronically, it's a great resource and a great tool 
Um, nothing against digitization, but not at the expense of uh, you know losing the original documents. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Some we might be able to part with, you know, like the uh, my regular monthly uh, telephone bill. You know, maybe something <laughs> yeah. like that. Uh, you know, although it's great to have fifty years of that. Uh, yeah. Oh, maybe that if that's digitized, you you could get rid of the original, but. Uh, we don't know what's going to be needed in the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mistakes like that were made in the past where people threw away homestead records, oh, thinking yes. we've got hundreds of thousands of homestead records. We don't need them all. Yeah. We'll just take every tenth homestead as a sample. Yeah. Well, then you find out that the homestead for John Diefenbaker was one of nine that got tossed, or the homestead for, you know, they threw the wrong ones. Well, they should have known that 50 years later we'd need these ones. Well, they didn't. And so you, what you throw away, you have to be very careful about. So if we can store it instead and let somebody maybe 200 years later look at it and say, do we still need to store it or can we now toss some of that? Right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like we got this box of um, there were sheets of paper. Uh, it was from a Christmas party probably about 30 years ago and people have been uh, photocopying their butts on the photocopier mm -hmm. and you know they wanted us to, <laughs> to burn it a but a record of like butts from the 80s that's right exactly yeah, yeah. So. We, we I figure that archaeologists 50 years from now should get to decide whether they need those butt photocopies <laughs> or not well, you know, as an archaeologist from, from the 60s, uh, I mean, I was taught that you saved everything uh, yeah. and you analyzed everything. And everything that, that you find that has been manipulated by human beings has, has a purpose for it. Uh, Except maybe photocopying. Well, um, the, 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 the joke around the archives office that I, is that I could always find an excuse for keeping an archival record. <laughs> and I must admit, I'm a little hard-pressed for this particular one. But uh, it would show, for instance, the quality of photocopying. That's true. Oh, and how yeah. that has evolved over the years. Because I can guarantee you that the scanner we used in the, the 1960s to photograph somebody's butt would not give near <laughs> the amount of detail that we get at the scanner today. That's uh, true. Not only is the well, not that I've tested that. Not, <laughs> not that, no, no, I haven't either. But but seriously, you know, you do get quality differences. Like the photocopies that I used to work with, they were terrible things. In fact, in the '60s, they were done on some kind of uh, silver paper that turned brown gradually. Oh, and, oh geez, it smelled like. It. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> it, it's that kind of thing that records can, do change, and our our copying capabilities are vastly improving. So even though some of the stuff we see now we think is, wow, this is really fantastic. You know, it's almost like perfect. Who says it can't be better um, 50 years from now mm -hmm. with a new technology? And then we'll look back at this and say, oh, geez, you know, that's as, only, we only got it at 600 DPI. Right now we're shooting at 10 million DPI. And uh, look at how crystal clear is. In fact, we can actually make the pill picture look better now than it was 50 years ago. Yeah. And and we can't do that today. So if we've destroyed the picture, if we've destroyed the textual document or whatever, or even the audio material, uh, we're not doing anybody a service. So if we can, but if we can park it away in in low low rent facilities, and we're not creating as many new paper and photographic records anymore. So the the future need uh, is going to be smaller as we only create digital records. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So we're, uh, oh, geez, uh, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Uh, we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Um, 
We've only got a couple of minutes here, but how do you think Saskatchewan is doing on uh, archives? I think we're doing very well, yeah. yeah. Uh, considering our population, considering, uh, the, the, to be blunt, the minimal... I don't work for the government anymore, I can say <laughs> it. Uh, the minimal budget that the government puts to archives, uh, we're doing very well. We have a, a, a small, you know, a professional staff, and we have some volunteers. Uh, of course, we'd, I'd like it to be better. Uh, I wish our archives was better equipped, uh, more had more archival quality uh, resources to work with. Um, but I've seen worse archives in my uh, time, and uh, and I've seen better. So, uh, but there's it's no excuse for not uh, striving to preserve our records in, in the best possible manner. And if the government can put money towards other activities, other other favorites. Why not also do it to uh, towards the preservation of our uh, archival history? Mm -hmm. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, how do you think, uh, Mr. Corvamaker made? Uh, I, I quite well. Uh, I, I forgot to grade him again. Uh -huh. But but I think you do qualify as an improvement vector, uh, and so you have you get a certificate. Oh. Very, very carefully researched, as always. Yeah. As we do. You spelled my name right. I appreciate uh, that. No problem. We, we pride ourselves on our <laughs> And answers. you pronounced it right, which, which absolutely amazed me. Because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, you know, tell you how to pronounce my name. Nope. No. So that, was, that's, that was pretty good. Actually. Yeah, I was impressed. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. Okay, so your event is uh, Wednesday, February 7th yep. at 7 p.m. at Bushwhacker Brew Pub. That's right. right. And it'll be two hours? I think about that, yeah, a little yeah. less than two hours, yeah. Okay. Oh, it says here you've got uh, Dr. McDonald speaking as well. Yes, Alex yeah. is speaking. He's going to be talking about the the Mawson plan, this grandiose plan that he had for uh, um, developing Regina parks parks areas. Oh, oh right on. Cool. Okay. Well, I think uh, I hope I can catch that if they let us uh, out. Yeah, if they let us out of the basement. Yeah. yeah. It's usually a sellout crowd. Not that we charge to get in, but uh, it, it's packed. <laughs> it's. Even like uh, you know, last couple of you know, February is not the nicest time to go out there, but it's it packs into right, which we quite enjoy. Mm. Well, cool. we will go there and archive some beer. Hey, you could do that, right yeah. 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 So All should right. we uh, move to adjourn the meeting? I think we have to move for an adjournment. Yeah. All in favor? All favor. Motion is passed, even though we don't have quorum. Or a council. Or a council. <laughs> motion is still passed. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. You can find us on Twitter at Queen City IB or on our website, uh, Queen, Queen, look, Queen's, what's our website address again? QueenCityIB.com. Remember, that's not Irritable Vowel, that's Improvement Bureau. Uh, also, you can find us on iTunes or cjtr.ca slash podcasts. Our guests tonight were uh, not uh, Fred Korvermeister, but, <laughs> but Fred Korvermaker and Councillor Lori Bresciani. Uh, music by Guidewire, uh, your hosts, Paul Shen and Aidan Morgan. Coming up next, we've got the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the Cockpit, and then at midnight, the Melt. Keep on improving, Regina.